0: Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Just a second here as I get started here about the ministry of the pastor. And I had a couple little individual sheets and then some other material here that I have two that I may use, I may not use, I don't know yet, but uh, I've got plenty of stuff here to talk about, but I was thinking about this, we're talking about now, uh, this semester we're going to talk about the fivefold ministry, the ministry of the pastor, um, you can be turned into Ephesians 4 if you'd like, uh, the ministry of the pastor, next month I'll talk about the ministry of the teacher. And uh, by the way, I have walked in both those offices. I know a little bit about it. And then uh, in March, we have a special guest in Dr. Dufresne coming. He's not only going to do the mentoring on Saturday morning, he's going to do a Friday night meeting. Uh, And uh, he said to me, after I asked him that, I was in a service with him out over in Paducah, and he said, something special is going to happen on Friday night. So I'm encouraged. Uh, I asked him to talk about the ministry of the prophet, specifically on... The mentoring, but I said, if you want, Dad, you can talk about the apostle and prophet all weekend, or the ministry of the prophet all weekend, or combine them both because he he walks in both of those. So uh, it's going to be a great year for us. Amen. Amen. And then whatever I have left over, I guess uh, I have the evangelist office, and then I may uh, some of these may run over. I may not get done today on the pastor's office because really the pastor is the most important in my yes. opinion not the most anointed perhaps but the most important right. you yes. need to understand that's very vital to God to have pastors if we didn't have pastors we wouldn't need the other four that's right. because there would be no pace to gather people to teach them ongoingly and to care for the sheep and that's the ministry of the pastor in a nutshell he's had to care for sheep you know, my ministry's changing a little bit, not that I don't care for you, don't take it that way. But you'll see as we get into this, i got some important things to say about the pastor and how he is and how he, he or she should be geared. And if they're not geared that way, then you're not. You know, pastor has to be home a lot, has to stay home. Uh, he can go sometimes a mission trip or other things like that or go to a conference and stuff, but he's not going to be on the road all the time. He, he wouldn't be able to pastor those people. So we're kind of in an unusual setting right here in this church in that I'm kind of weaving in and out of some things. Still plan to be very involved here when I'm home, but I'm just not home all the time anymore. So it's a, a delicate thing, and a, you know, this church has to stay with me if they want to. Hopefully they do, uh, and things like that. But I, I just want to give you a couple quotes and talk to you about something here. Uh Uh, This is from Brother Hagin. He says, The most important thing you'll ever do in life is to find your calling. The most important thing you'll ever do in life is to find your calling. The Lord gave a place for you personally, specifically. And we must all sell out to God totally in order to get in God's perfect will. You know, that's easy to say but hard to do sometimes. (laughs) Sell out totally to get in God's perfect will you know because sometimes all of us we hold things important that aren't maybe that important to God and certainly not important to fulfilling his plan anything can get in the way of that you know what I'm saying the, anything and everything the best way to find God's will this isn't all Brother Hagin some of this is my notes but the best way to find God's will is from the beginning and then walk in it in other words you know raise your kids up to walk in the perfect will of God it doesn't mean they have to be in fivefold. I'm not saying that but uh, to help them to find the will of God for their life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then I wrote at the bottom, unless you find your mission to fulfill and you fulfill it, you'll never be content. I thought that was interesting. You just never, never be content. And I had a couple quotes here, just some other things that I thought were helpful. Your friends are a revelation of how you'll end up. You know, the people you run with, the people you flow with, the people you're around. Your friends are... Now, you can have friendship, but I'm talking about people that are close to you. Your friends are a revelation of how you'll end up. And then I don't know who said this, but somebody said, and it says unknown. So God will lead you to people who will lead you to Him. (laughs) That's interesting, I think. One more, one more here, just to get us thinking here. We're talking about fellowshiping with other people, and that's why this class I think is important. That we talk about these these types of things. And no matter whether you're in fivefold or ministry of helps, you still have a position to fulfill, and it's an integrous position. It's an important position, and it's vital to the body of Christ that you find that and get in it, and and develop it. Uh, this is interesting. It says you don't get anywhere by chance, but by association. You know, I I loved God just as much years ago as I do today. I think so. Uh, but uh, you know, when I hooked up with Doctor Dufresne, I began to go somewhere. I didn't hook up to go somewhere. I hooked up because God said, "This is your, this is your spiritual father. This is the one you're to uh, submit to, and uh, yield to, and and let speak into your life." And so I just said, "Yeah, great. I liked it, and it made me feel secure at first. It still does, and all of that. But even." just in living and functioning and flowing with Him over these 20 years now, uh, I've went somewhere. Yeah. And I'm a different person today than I was 20 years ago. You know, if you knew me 20 years ago in the ministry particularly, you would see a vast difference in me. And even, even now, it's changing even more as I get older, which I appreciate. Yeah. All right, let's go here to Ephesians chapter 4. We've uh, taken some time here to get this introduced but let's look at verse 7 first of all Ephesians 4 and 7 I'm going to read down through here a little bit unto every one of us is given grace or ability I call it according to the measure of the gift of Christ or according to the measure of the gift of the anointing in your life wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high he led captivity captive Jesus did and gave gifts unto men and the word men there is uh, anthropos it means men in general doesn't mean male it means of the race of man so he could be a male or a female and be called and gifted etc in all the all the anointings and stuff that God has and now he that ascended is what is it but that he also descended I'm reading on here first into the lower parts of the earth this is when he went to hell and he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all things that he might fill all things and he gave some say some So not everybody, but he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints or the maturing of the body, for the work of the ministry to do the work they're called to do in ministry of helps and so forth, for the building up, edifying means building up of the body of Christ or building up the body of that anointed one, until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a mature man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of that anointing. Boy, that anointing's mentioned a lot down through here, isn't it? But what I wanted you to see is they have these five different offices, and he says some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And, you know, I really never thought about that until recently in studying this out. I think there's more information on the pastor than all the other four put together. It's just uh, like Brother uh, Donald G. He said there's not hardly anything on the apostle, or maybe that was Brother Hagin said that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, just think about that. There's more information in the New Testament about pastors than any other gift. Now, there is other information that crosses over. you know if you're going to be it says a bishop, that's really more the office of the pastor, but all the fivefold ministry should meet that criteria. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but I'm just interesting in here, and I only found one verse that uses the word pastor. there's seventeen references to shepherds. Only 16. And one to a pastor, it's the same person, one and the same. The shepherd is the pastor. The pastor is the shepherd because they shepherd a flock. So uh, it's interesting here that in such an important office as the pastor because he cares for sheep. You know, if you don't love sheep, then you're not a pastor. I mean, you really shouldn't even be in the ministry if you don't love sheep because I've seen some smart-aleck evangelists and prophets I'd like to slap down. But anyway... (laughs) I'm not kidding you. Oh, my gosh. One guy just talked. (laughs) I was at a luncheon with him, and he didn't impress me at all. He was so negative about sheep. And here sit all of us pastors and everything that love the sheep. And I still love the sheep. But the point I'm making is that uh, he had no respect for the sheep. He had respect for those offerings. I'm sure of that. And he was a really proficient uh, uh, author. And willie well known in this area this was 25 35 years ago but he sure didn't impress me i'd just soon not been there that day and uh, look other preachers around looking at him like he's you know enamored because he's popular and goes to a lot of places and writes a lot of books and i didn't think much of him later he got in trouble <laughs> and so you know i mean, you know praise God I, i'm not praising God he got in trouble I wish he hadn't have, but Man, he had such a rotten attitude towards sheep. I just couldn't believe he was even in the ministry. Yeah. You know, I sure wouldn't have had anybody like that in my church if I knew they had that kind of an attitude. That's right. That's like, a like a, what's the word we use now? Entitlement. Like, you owe me. Yeah. Like, I'm important. Don't you know how smart I am, how spiritual I am? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we have people in our own church like that, you know. The... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving right along here, I'm just talking. So uh, it just seems like that we know more or talk more about the pastor than the other four gifts too. That's sometimes typical. But uh, we're talking about the pastor here. He feeds the sheep. He loves the sheep. He corrects the sheep. He encourages the sheep. He's a pretty important guy or woman, whichever. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now let's go back here for a minute to... uh, Ephesian, I mean, uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, if you would with me, please. Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but it'll be okay. We're going to look at some things here that'll help us understand more completely the office of the pastor or the shepherd. And I'm assuming most of us are that, or, or you know, maybe moving in that and so forth, and others maybe being in training for that. So we're going to learn things that are real important. Now, in Matthew 9, verse 35 and 36, it says, And Jesus and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Now, you all underline that. I'm going to read more into this and talk more, but he was moved with compassion you know we need to be moved by people we need to be moved by their needs and by their their complicated lives sometimes and sometimes uh, derailed lives and sometimes totally uh, you know just tore up lives yeah. Yeah. we That's need right. to be moved with compassion you can't be a good pastor and be aggravated that people are jacked around That's right. because there are people that are going to be jacked around right. and That's even right. if we got all the older ones unjacked we still got the new ones yeah. to un- yeah. get them fixed too yeah if you don't care about people that stay away from the ministry if you don't love people this is part of the thing I'm going to talk I think in California about is that you know if you don't love people don't try to minister deliverance it's not about a, a thing in your belt that you minister deliverance. you you got to love people or you shouldn't be fooling with it but I wanted you to see Jesus was moved with compassion which is love which is mercy he was moved with it sometimes he was very stern in some settings that's true but we're talking about the pastoral gift right now looking at it like that because he's going to say something real profound here verse 36 he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd notice it doesn't say having no apostle or having no prophet or evangelist or even teacher. And that's just true. Some pastors are not that great of teachers, but they are apt to teach. They can teach. They can present. But see, that the main thing about shepherd, he's got to love the sheep. Yes. You know, the body of Christ are so fickle sometimes, and, and other ministers even, they're enamored by people, but they don't realize the reality to have a pastor that loves you is a key to your health. Yeah something else let me say here you could be a great teacher and preacher and a lousy pastor right. and just because you can teach and preach don't mean you should That's right. if you can't get your attitude right Come on. Come on. <laughs> man Come on. I'm not out to get anybody I'm just, but now notice here when they didn't have a shepherd or a pastor they fainted and were scattered right. so the importance of a shepherd cannot be uh, overestimated in my opinion because they're going to be scattered and they're going to faint that's right. and we need to understand that and so we want to bring uh, solidity to them Well, uh, you know wholeness to people we want to bring uh, healing to people deliverance to people yeah. making them whole making them yeah. be normal and uh, be sustained and know how to pray and all the things that go along with everything a pastor would normally teach there's a lot of things I mean I'm not saying that's all we teach Just everything we teach would be important to a normal believer if they're thinking right. Some things are more important, I would add, but still we need to do that. We're talking about the ministry of the pastor, and he says here, because they had no shepherd, so he's alluding to the ministry of the pastor. And so he's... uh, He's healing, he's teaching them, he's preaching to them, and he's healing them. And in that order, I might add. See, that's another thing we get deal with with people. If you have somebody in, and you do, and I do, that can move in different giftings, and that's appropriate. But we're not to be like more enamored with that person than we are our own pastor. Amen. Right. Come on, come on now. You know, I mean, he lives with you and deals with you and loves you and believes in you, corrects you, but loves you and helps you. Yeah. Hallelujah what a blessing to have a good pastor Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. hallelujah he sticks with you yes, hallelujah praise God that's just a tremendous tremendous things here now we know too that let's go over here to Hebrews 13 a minute let me read something over here Hebrews 13 and verse 20 let's look at this 20 and 21 Hebrews 13 and uh <clears throat> I'm just excited to be with you, and I'm very, I'm very excited to have uh, you, know, these new pastors with us at least today, and maybe in the future too, but uh, the Moonies and the Owings were just uh, we just recently had lunch together. Uh, well, I didn't Julie wasn't able to come, but I met with Dino, and we're going to have lunch together today back in the back. So uh, we're just thrilled to have all of you here. Amen. And I appreciate you wanting to come to this mentoring class. And, you know, you may, be, you may be being groomed right now for something way beyond what you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not. Maybe you're just learning some things that will help put you in good stead with those around you that will be groomed. Yes. You know. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And, you know, we're all growing. It takes time to raise up preachers, real preachers. It takes time. It takes time to help them, help, work through their own things that they're dealing with in their life. and learning how to minister to people and learning how to do what's right. and uh, It just takes a lot of time. I've been at this almost 40 years now. I've been in all kinds of settings. A lot of it's been uncomfortable for me at times. You know, when you're in a room, somebody's passing away or something. And other settings where people have accused me maliciously over something that was not true and not being able to defend myself from the front a lot of other things I could mention a lot of other things lots I'm not going to do it (laughs) and I'm sure these other pastors and ministers have felt the same way over the years sometimes you put your life into somebody and you help them and help them and help them they just get up and walk out like you don't mean nothing get offended over something minor and (laughs) forfeit their abort their whole plan of God that he had for them and and you just follow people that do that you follow them I don't try to follow them I, I happen to hear things periodically but man their lives are a mess yeah. they don't get back on track they don't have to come back here necessarily but they need to get under somebody that help make them stable right. yes. hallelujah. hallelujah now in Hebrews 13 20 and 21 it says now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep this is what I want to point out great shepherd of the sheep he's the great shepherd of the sheep or and Peter says he's the chief shepherd of the sheep so we're under shepherds at best but uh, people need people people need leadership people need the pastor and we're talking about him and the other gifts are important too don't let me mislead you but the pastor is so critical to everything that is done in the body of Christ you need to have a local body. You need to have a pastor you're submitted to. You need to have a pastor that you can relate to. You need to have a pastor that you can go to if you need to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, uh, and if he's a good pastor, he's feeding you different you know, proteins and nutrients that you need from the Word of God on different subjects over the period of time to grow you up. But notice here, too, it says, He's the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Get a hold of that. Make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. Man, what a verse. Yeah. So this, the blood of Jesus will help make you complete or perfect or mature in every good work to do His will. And I'm not teaching on the blood today, but I wanted to show you that Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep because it's through his blood that you are made perfect. It's through the blood that the New Testament workable, that the New Testament's energized and active and made active because of the blood of Jesus. So that's real important, and that's why he's the great shepherd of the sheep. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, let's go back here a minute to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. I'm jumping around a little, but are you getting, listening to me, uh, making sense here? Proverbs 27, and it's uh, done me well, this scripture, over a long period of time, uh, you know, in pastoring. And uh, <clears throat> we we'll look at it just for a minute here, Proverbs 27, uh, 23. And uh, it says here, Proverbs 27:23, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks. And look well to thy herds. Now you they just let surface value. You think he's talking about a farmer or rancher or something. Uh, but really it's talking in part about the body of Christ here. And the pastors being diligent to know the state of thy flocks. And looking well to those he's raising up. And sometimes what I do is I'm praying. And then if I get somebody on my heart and it don't go away. Then I call them up and talk to them on the phone. Or I call donna and have her to call them make appointment come see me if i know it's serious enough in my heart thinking this needs to be dealt with or talked with them about then i bring them in and i use this scripture i i I open it up and i say it says here to know the state of my flocks well you're a sheep here in this flock so i'm trying to know the state here that you're in you want to talk to me about it some do some don't but i've done my part if i've done that and to look well to thy herds in other words put a little interest in that maybe sometimes things are remedied by just praying as a pastor but sometimes it takes discussion with people too to help them to move into the right stream of what they need to change or correct or be exhorted in stuff like that so I just thought I'd bring that to your attention here if you're a shepherd you need to know the state of your some you'll know by the Holy Ghost supernaturally and some you'll know by just natural things sometimes people say something somebody said and I go they said what and everybody around me you know they're they're not they're just sitting there but I know that, that means something to me because yeah. I've been there 15 times before uh oh or yeah, I might need to take care of something here or whatever I'm not gunning for people I'm looking to help people if they're in trouble That's right. and sometimes people will if you're around them if they're open now sometimes people you know do the rope-a-dope on me cover up you know they won't let me get in their space you know what I mean hey how you doing oh I'm doing great wonderful and I'm going no you're not I want to smile with you but you're not doing good I know not at all (laughs) and uh, sometimes if I you know use my whatever's to try to get into them there they'll let me occasionally and then sometimes they still got their guards up so, uh, but this, is, uh, this has done me well to bring the scripture to my counseling sessions or in a situation where I have to confront something. I say, well, the Bible tells me to, to be diligent to know what kind of state you're in. That's what I'm here to talk to you about. It might be their marital state. It might be their children. It might be their finances. It might be all the above. It might be the mental health. It could be a lot of things. And sometimes, you know, you can't help people. Let me just be free to tell you that. Sometimes you just got to let people go on. I got two or three right now. I'm just letting them go on because they're not interested in what I have to say anyway. I'm going to do my best to help them, but if they don't let me help them, then I can't do much about it. I can pray for them, but hallelujah. So that scripture has helped me a lot over the years as a pastor to bring it to the attention of the person I'm sitting down talking to. And it says, I ought to know your state and look well. That doesn't mean just look casually, but look well to what's going on maybe with you. You know, I've been concerned for you. I saw you move from the second row to the fifth row to the last row. So something's going on. You want to tell me about it or you just want to go on? You're going on out, you know. And I'll try to be cautious, say things like that. I don't want to provoke them. I'm just saying, well, what's going on with you? Or you used to be involved in this and this and this. And now I notice you hardly ever come. You just come to work, but you're not in a service. And we don't allow that around here. Do we, Sean? And I'll have Sean call them first if they're in the children's ministry or overseeing the nursery or whatever. You know what I'm saying, working in the back. And if we notice they don't come to regular service anymore, we go, what's up with that? Because we only require, we require them to be in one service a week with me or whoever's in the pulpit and if they're going to work one service in the back. We're not just trying to work them into the ground because I care about sheep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then they, the ones that are out, they can sign up, free tape, free CD, whatever. We give them a free one if they sign up. So we would kind of keep our eye on people. And maybe I don't personally, but Sean, Donna, and my other staff members and things like that. Yeah. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. God calls men and women, equips them to shepherd or pastor a flock. Shepherds are necessary for maturing and equipping of the saints. Hallelujah. Now, you know, when this church first started, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate and discussion. I'm just say it this way. They didn't have seasoned people other than the 12, 12 apostles, you know. Their ministries were getting at least... Substantiated after they'd spent three years with Jesus and after the resurrection and after the influence of the Holy Ghost coming. They were starting to really learn some things then. But people had to be put in position and sometimes even today in some settings where people go and have a large group of people get saved in a meeting somewhere. You might have to stick an elderly person, not a, not a crippled person, I didn't mean like that, but an elderly person that's got some stability and character right. in a position tentatively just to shepherd that flock until God raises up a shepherd. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, Pastor uh, Mike Rabel, he'd been a missionary for 25 years in Mexico, 10 years in Morocco. And, of course, in Morocco they didn't have the fruit because that's a, a lot different kind of country than mm-hmm. the Latins. But anyway, uh, but he he would do that. He would set somebody in there that he thought had some stability and some character until such a time that that God would raise up somebody and they could tell the anointing was on this person to pastor that group. And they got some Bible under them and in them. And then they'd say, well, we're going to set him apart or them apart or whatever to pastor this group. So, you know, I'm just talking to you a minute. Sometimes how things got started in the beginning days, they had some time, there was a time frame there. I know we all think we know everything, but you cannot put my brain and my inner being in a 17-year-old kid. You cannot do that to a 35-year-old. Because I've been living longer. And I've been in every kind of a setting just about. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just saying you're going to take some time to grow people up. They may be a good preacher. They may be a good teacher. They may not be so good at other things yet. Yet so there just takes some time to get all that experience in people right. Amen. hallelujah just talking to you so you know don't get a, don't discouraged if you don't get promoted here quickly I'm not in the business of, of uh, prompting anybody and setting them up too fast anybody for any reason <laughs> it's my philosophy hallelujah and then if we're going to set you up then we we'll be, have a different level of speaking into your life at that point you would expect me to say hey you know, did you think about the way that sounded or da 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 hmm. no I didn't think that I said well I'm just bringing out some truth here for you to think about I'm still being diligent to know the state of my flock yes. ok I'm just talking here praise the Lord so this office the office of the shepherd or the pastor is a more settled or stationary office it's not a roving office and sometimes you got to know what you're doing sometimes it's very delicate i was talking about myself earlier but uh, i'm just thinking here you know a person called to be a shepherd or a pastor would be more or less settled in the locality of the flock he's to oversee are you listening i've seen pastors that thought they wanted a teaching ministry and then tear their church up and their church fall apart and they, well i don't know what happened well you didn't act like a pastor now I've been traveling quite a bit in the last 10 years but I've been a pastor all these years too and I've got my family with me now and different ones and so you know it's still a delicate thing for me I'm just being honest here because people in the church they got to be willing to let me go because God dealt with me 15-20 years ago now I think maybe 15 about going to other places where I'd never been before and he had people he wanted me to help and he said some of them you don't even know today so I got to obey that or, or he said either that or else I'm not trying to be gone more I'm just trying to be obedient to what I'm called to do yes, but I'm talking to you about the office of the pastor or the shepherd the sheep still need oversight whether I'm here or not that's right. so that's where Jordan and some of my staff and others can help me and, and, and if we do it right it can all work out right but see if you don't have a call to travel and you try to travel because you think there's money in it or you want to be noted or you got the wrong motive which would be a hundred different things for a hundred different people believe me <laughs> I've seen all kinds of goofball people bless their darling heart and stupid head their motives were all wrong you know if I was in something just to be noted then I probably wouldn't have stayed with anybody all these years I think it was 10 years before I ever took an offering up for a doctor. And didn't complain, didn't feel bad about it whatsoever. I was kind of half scared to get up and take one. I can take an offering here, but I'm around my spiritual father now. And see, sometimes people get the goofiest ideas. When am I going to get to preach? You sure you want that? We might have a little discussion after you preach. if you know I'm just talking here I'm just talking about the shepherd and I'm talking about me some and I'm talking about different things too but if you're a pastor you're going to be more stationary and settled in an area you might take vacations might go see grandma once a year whatever you know go to a conference or two but you're not going to be on the road all the time and still be able to shepherd that church and pastor that church effectively over over a long period of time there's going to to be some changes made all right Praise the Lord. The pastor is the under-shepherd. Jesus, as we just read, is the chief shepherd or the, what did he call him there? I forgot what he called him. Uh, the chief shepherd, what? Great shepherd, thank you, over the whole body of Christ. But he needs local pastors or under-shepherds, we might call them. He is the head or the overseer of, the pastor is, the under-shepherd. He is the head or the overseer of the local flock or group of people the local body heads up in the pastor the head governs therefore the governing ability of the local body heads up in the pastoral or shepherd's office you know what I'm saying? yeah uh, the office of the pastor is not mentioned by name in 1 Corinthians 12 but let's go over there and see what he does say about the pastor 1 Corinthians 12 and 28 am I making sense? All right, I'm trying to talk here. I've got a lot of information, and that's all good too. But I'm just trying to share out of my heart too. But First Corinthians 12, and uh, again, it's going to say verse 27. 1 Corinthians 12:27, 28. We might go on down through here, but at least verse 27, 28. Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. In other words, everybody has a position to fill and has a certain kind of anointing or gifting or something. And God has set some. Again, notice what he says. Some. Some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. So he says here uh, that the governments... Rich, because the pastors are rulers they rule over the sheep and I didn't say dictator but a ruler, a leader, a guide, an overseer how many are following me? Yes, so we could say here that the pastoral gift is listed in governments because he governs the local church he puts things in order if it's not and sets it in order if it's not keeps it in order if it is that's, that's his job There's no such thing in the Bible that I know about plurality of elders and all that kind of stuff. That's just nonsense. You might have some people in your church that uh, operate as an elder, but you can't have two, three, four, five heads trying to direct one local church. That's a monster. That'd be like me going to Jim. Jim, what do you think about Diane and I spending money on that? He don't know. He's not in my family. He's in my spiritual. But I'm talking about you can't have two different... People trying to govern the same household. That's what I'm saying. And so we're seeing, though, that the pastor is lined up with the governments here in that he has oversight into things. And nothing wrong. You could have a deacon board or whatever, but you got to be careful you don't give people authority that they're not anointed to handle. That's what I want to say. And if I don't know something about something, I'll go to people in my church sometimes and ask them, maybe about sound equipment or whatever. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? I'm still going to make the final decision, but I might need some information. That's different. I'm not talking about doing something like that. But you can't let four or five people sit in a room and figure out how you're supposed to pastor the church. And that's the reason a lot of churches stay where they're at and never grow and never never get anywhere is there's too much advice from people that aren't anointed to give it. We've done that over the years. I. <laughs> god help me i'm that stupid but you know i just didn't know and i tried to be gracious and people burnt me every single time not that all the leaders around me burnt me but a lot of them did when i gave them more authority than they should have had because they weren't anointed to carry that level of authority that's what i'm saying and even one that i had to take out of that position that i had to repent too and say well i'm sorry i did it to you partly because i put you in that position so I'm sorry for my part in it I thought you could have handled it but it's evident you can't so I'm going to remove my authority that I gave you to do that because you're running roughshod over me (laughs) and you lied about two of my real men of God like Dale and Keith at that time I'd been down a couple county fairs a hayride a pig roast a weenie roast and I think I was the weenie that got roasted sometimes (laughs) man Yeah. Praise the Lord Be the pastor Yeah he just said be the pastor to me One time I had a p- problems I don't go into all of it Just some problems with some leadership and He just said well be the pastor Okay I can do that All I need is somebody to tell me to be the pastor It's funny that none of those guys Were telling me to be the pastor That I was having trouble with I think they wanted to be the pastor Or feel like they were they want to be large and in charge Yeah And then we got this group of people in our modern day That make these kind of silly statements We want a New Testament church Let's go back to the book of Acts Why would you want to go back? You know I'm not saying there's not things We should go back and live the book of Acts But we're not going back to that exact pattern In every detail when it's an early church And they're just forming things in, their, in the body of Christ back then My goodness and then they appoint elders to run everything in the church and this guy over that. And even some people are so silly that even apostles come into churches and try to tell them, the pastor, how to run his own church. Now, you understand, I submitted to doctor. That was my will. And thank God he's never burned me. He never threw me under the bus. He's never tried to over overrun things to the, le- the level that I'm implying here where people just come in. You're going to do this. You sit down. I'm preaching. I'm taking the money. I'm See, and just... and. Didn't, you know I was the one laid on the table to give birth to this group right, right. I'm not talking about the preachers but the, the church yes. yeah. you know, somebody had to give birth to it it didn't just happen right. and I labored to do that so some other man coming in he might be an apostle or a prophet or something but he didn't have a right to tell me how to do something here if I asked for his opinion he would give it I'm sure but I'm talking about Dr. Dufresne now in a different vein he's never tried to over run any kind of thing with me because he's right. He's, he knows this is my church. But now I'm also smart enough to know he knows some things I didn't know and still does and I occasionally will go and say, what would you do about this? Or how would you handle that? Or what do you think I should do? But You know, if I need help, that's why he's there. Yes, amen. So why would I take advice and then shut him down and not pay any attention? He's already been where I'm at. See, that's, right. that's, right. so that's what I'm saying. You can't take guy ministry 50 years. He's almost at 50-year mark, 47, 48, and put that on a you know a person of 30 years old so you know it's just good that we have elders and real, real living elders that know how to function in a role that they've been put in by God and not you know run over top of others with their, with their authority I appreciate that about Dr. Dufresne it means a lot to me hallelujah I trust him I believe in him I, and uh, praise the Lord yeah praise the Lord Yeah, It's unscriptural to appoint elders to oversee a flock and to run a church. I'm talking about running the church when there's a pastor to oversee it. That's reverting back to the babyhood stage of development as in the early church and acknowledging we've never grown beyond that. We're all spiritual babies. We need to understand that. And God will bless us as far as he can if we got some of it in order in our churches. He'll bless us as far as he can, but he may have to shut down other areas because things are not set up scripturally if that's the case hallelujah Hallelujah. he wants to bless us to the fullest measure hallelujah praise the lord now let's talk for just a minute about this comment here Uh, an overseer in a bishop you know in acts 20 28 he talks about uh, the holy ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Now, that word overseer and the word bishop in 1 Timothy 3 and 1, it's the same Greek word. And it conveys the meaning of definite leadership and official position. Yeah. in order to, to have fed the church of God with the word, these people must have been teachers who were spiritually equipped to feed the flock. They could not have been just older persons who oversaw what was happening but had no anointing or call to the ministry. But then over the course of time, some of these elders or older men who were put over the flock in the early church did develop into ministry gifts because they had the call of God on them and God ministers. God made ministers out of them. You know, there's a making of a man of God. There's a making of a woman of God. And you need to be patient enough to take it until you get made. There's a making and you can abort it at any time you want. Now, let's go over here for a minute to look at uh, 1 Timothy 3 a minute. I want to look at this passage. It's an important passage for our study because, uh, certainly, directly, the bishop, uh, uh, a bishop, would be a pastor, but also, e- even the other gifts could fall under that category. And it would be true of all of us to be like this, though, if we're in fivefold ministry. Because the word bishop and overseer is the same Greek word, episkopos. It says here in verse 1 of 1 Timothy 3, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, uh, and now he's got the bishop in here, see, this is all the same type of thing. He desireth a good work. So it would be a good thing if you desire to be that, but you've got to be equipped to do that and called to do that and gifted to do that. A bishop then must be blameless. Now listen, let me say something here. We're not talking about perfection. All of us have had issues. All of us have had baggage. Whatever you want to call it, I'm just honest enough to tell you. <laughs> that we've all had things in our flesh we had to deal, crucify this and stop that. and you know. but, but, we're, but it means a goal is there to be right with God and to be right with this fellow man and women in the church. And so he must be blameless, the husband. In other words, you can't point out all of his faults all the time you know what I mean they're not evident says the office of a bishop he desires a good work a bishop then verse 2 must be blameless the husband of one wife that's at a time you know sometimes what could happen your wife leave you and so through no fault of yours I, you know I don't know if that's accurate but I think that sometimes people just flake out and get tired of being married and get tired of living with the same old person and whatever you want to call that or the devil gets in there and pull somebody apart and start saying look at that look at this look at that or whatever and they just they just flake out eventually well you can't penalize the person who stayed and lived right for the person who left and flaked out that wouldn't be right would it i can't see how that would be right uh it says here the husband of one wife vigilant sober of good behavior given to hospitality and apt to teach not given to wine no striker uh, he's not a fighter all the time he's not greedy of filthy lucre he's not greedy of over money that's what that means but patient not a brawler not covetous one that rules well his own house having his children in subjection with all gravity that's the thing that bothered me I had two or three or four pastors come to this church over a period of time most of them acted like they were superior to me their wives didn't like them and their children were out of control and they'd say, well, I used to pastor over here, you know, 15 people. Well, they're great, you could have 15 people and be a success. Yeah. But with that attitude in them and their wife there's <laughs> all this discord yeah. and their children, after a while, you say you can see they're not even parenting their own children. Yeah. That's right. How would you put a guy like that over a church? Right. I'm not saying he has to be perfect and children grow up and then they make st- dumb decisions. You can't hold the pastor accountable for that if he did his part when they were younger. Yeah. And some people just want to do it the hard way. You know. So I'm just talking to you here. I had all these three or four pastors, and what they really wanted was to be up here preaching and me take an offering for them. But they didn't come to church on time. They didn't come to church regularly. They, they flopped around, flipped around, and their kids were constantly in trouble, not only here at church but in this community and you know there's just no parenting skills and nothing I mean you know it's, I felt for them but somebody evidently didn't teach them how to parent or they just neglected it or they gave it up I don't know which they just didn't want to fool with it well if they don't want to fool with their own kids what makes you think they're going to fool with the church right <laughs> I'm just talking things could change people could repent people could get right and get focused and, and make a great preacher or whatever you understand but if you're just going to live like that and lay around in it then I am not going to promote you I don't care how many times you've been an elder somewhere a deacon and whatever and the honest ones always come back after about a year and say you know i don't think i knew quite as much as i thought i did and i always say really (laughs) i'd like to say i told you so i knew that right back when you told me you were just such a tremendous preacher Not a novice, not a beginner. That's what that means. Verse six. Not a novice, not being lifted up with pride. He fall into the condemnation of the devil. Here's something I've seen happen a lot: movie stars and, and uh, athletes and people of great fame and notoriety. You know, they get saved. Maybe they really did get saved. I'm not disputing whether, but they're just so immature and so carnal, and so fleshly, and they put them up on a platform. They start preaching and they, they go to the big churches and they get big offerings and then the next thing you know we find out they're, they're drugging down at the hotel and they got two or three women sleeping down there I mean, you know let's wait and let somebody get a little something under their belt a little time a little something a little, a little uh, uh, mentoring a little fathering to them that'd be great if he wanted to follow somebody around he had the money to follow around a great man of God that wanted him to mentor him but just so many times they start out like that and it's, it's too much too quick what I'm trying to say to you and we always feel like we can handle everything but trust me you can't handle everything you can get there someday to handle something but you know we just got to grow in this I'm just being honest we all got to grow and grow up and and get more mature and then maybe God promotes or certainly stands by us but it says don't put a novice in this position you know uh, Pastor Keith here been with me 27 years and how long were you with me before we sent you 12 he was with me 12 years how old was Pastor Dennis I think he was with me 10 before he left so we got long standing and not, and we're still we're better even now than we were back then I miss him all the time when I drive by his old house down here I want to cry sometimes say to the pastor I sure wish Pastor Keith still lived here <laughs> <laughs> and Miss Cynthia yeah, thank you but he done. he went to fulfill the will of God but we're still tight today Amen. and me and Pastor Dennis are still close today and you know of course something could happen but I'm not expecting that I mean we're in this together as far, for my life it's my side of it if the people want to be connected to me I'm not going to abort them I'm not going to you know run off on them even if they do make a mistake But the point I'm making is it says don't put a novice in there. You know, you have somebody in here and they can preach a little praise. God, some people can really preach. But their character and other things in their life are very unstable and kind of iffy. (laughs) I'm cautious about promoting somebody too quick. Praise the Lord. So I'm just talking to you here. We're talking about a local New Testament church and a pastor and uh, things of this nature let's see what else it says not a novice at least being lifted up with pride he fallen to the condemnation of the devil and then just recently I, I might say this about a couple uh, he's here today but uh, they, I got called in fact I got several calls lately from preachers I got one in Kansas called one of me to, well, I'm going to say it anyway so don't get offended if you're here okay. <laughs> he said you got anybody could be a youth pastor youth minister and i i went through you know my heart and my head and prayed and i said no i don't not that i could send now i might be able to send them in three or four or five years because they're just too young to me i don't know them that well you know just because you get saved water baptized filled the holy ghost and help around that don't mean that i know you yet and i just wouldn't want to unleash that on a pastor when i'm not confident in the person that i'm sending so I called him back and I said pastor I don't doctor so and so you know friend of mine I've preached for him and if I, if I do you know come across somebody I'll let you know but I just couldn't I couldn't honestly send somebody from my church to fill that role right now and I said I got a couple that's waiting to pastor a couple families I think if they make you know if they jump through the hoops <laughs> no they do what they're supposed to do is what I'm saying and then I got another call from a local pastor actually through Jacob uh, my son-in-law here and he wanted a a children's minister and I had somebody that I felt qualified was qualified to do that and would do it with integrity and do it to the best of his ability and we sat down and talked me and him and his wife and uh, after I talked to him I said well you have my blessing to pursue it but they went and prayed a little further and they said God said no they need to stay with me so then that's what they should do so they called him. I had lunch with him this week, and he said, "You did real good, whoever you are." <laughs> and 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 just said, "No, we feel that stay with Pastor Jacobs right now." So, but see, we get starting to get calls and stuff for people, and if we had them, and we knew we had them, and we knew they were qualified to do it, we'd send them. But you just don't want to put people in a, a thing, a setting, way before their time. And not only may they just disrupt their own ministry that they could have had if they'd have been a little more something, then also you've got people that uh, would go somewhere and maybe tear up another man's ministry. And that's really serious stuff. So we're just talking here. It says, moreover, uh, and notice it says, he falls into the condemnation of the devil. See, the devil's in that to make fe- people feel condemned because they got prideful about it. I should teach on pride sometime. It's a terrible monster. Uh, Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, that he fall not into the reproach and the snare of the devil. So we see the devil mentioned twice here in two verses on this ministry people so we're we're in authority we have authority we take authority over the devil we bind him we rebuke him we cast him out whatever we need to do so don't misunderstand what I'm saying right here but we need to realize we have a real enemy and when you become a primary person in a church understand what I'm saying I'm not saying we're more important we're just a primary person then you're going to have to deal with a lot more than the average person just going to have to deal with a lot more stuff on your plate are you listening to me I'm just talking I'm not trying to scare you I'm just making there's well we say "Well, praise God I got a great anointing well you may have but you also got great responsibility if you got a great anointing then you got some great responsibility you don't got just little responsibility you got some big stuff coming your way because the devil's going to shake your cage to see if he can get you off somehow we're not being negative here we're just telling it like it is tell it like it is oh baby dun 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 praise the Lord thank you for joining us today to view Dr. Jacobs travel itinerary order products and more please visit c-o-t-r-i-n dot org slash m-j-m